member uh, will have to go through it to become a member. And uh, we started last Wednesday night. And uh, so we'll do it uh, in January, and we're planning for the next uh, series of classes to be done this coming October. So it's important that you be here uh, the next two Wednesday nights, if at all possible, so you can complete your membership journey. I do want to remind you to be a member of Grace Church. You must affirm that you believe in one God, and His name is Jesus. And everybody said amen. Uh, you must believe our apostolic doctrine. You must believe it and have obeyed it. That means to be baptized in Jesus' name and to have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. We ask you to be faithful to our church services, and we ask you to uh, pay your tithes. Those are the qualifications to become a member of Grace Church. When you step into leadership, there's other things that will be attached to that. But you must attend all four classes and sign our membership covenant which we'll explain to you what that is on the fourth Wednesday night of this series. Also, tonight after church, everybody listen carefully. Need need for you to listen because this is instructions. Next Wednesday night, uh, Brother Merrill is going to take you through gifting, and then Sister Christy will take you through personality. That'll be next Wednesday night. We have both of those tests tonight, and we will also have them Sunday for you to pick up on your way out of the building tonight. I announced last Wednesday night that they'd be available online. I've heard from a number of people. We're not going to do that. It's too complicated. Um, So we're going to give everybody a paper copy. And when you're finished next Wednesday night after church, we're going to ask you to leave it here. We want to harvest the results off of it, and then we'll give you the results back. Uh, So what you're going to receive tonight when you leave the building is first of all, you're going to receive a, pers- a, a, a gifting test. Listen carefully. Everybody listen. Follow the instructions. And I want to ask everybody, especially married couples, if you get to a question on the personality test, this isn't a pass or fail. We'll harvest some scores off of it, and they'll tell you what your gifting is. But everybody listen. Don't ask your spouse or your friends or your kids or your parents, what do you think about this answer? You answer it. Don't get anyone else's opinion. If you do, you may get, it may skew the results. You need to just take some quiet time and fill it out. Bring it back next Wednesday night filled out. You won't have time to do it next Wednesday night at church. You need to fill it out. All right, that's giftings. In addition to that, we will have a, a personality test. These are two completely different things, and they score completely different. So don't think because you did the giftings test that you'll do the personality test the same. Read the instructions on both and follow them explicitly. Does everybody understand? I'm not trying to make this hard, but we, we want you to realize who you are and what not, what, not what somebody else thinks you are. So follow the instructions carefully and have them filled out before you arrive next Wednesday night. If you don't, you won't have time. When you leave next Wednesday night, we would like to have the part you filled out back. We'll give it back to you later, but we would like to have it from you before you leave. And also, when you leave next Wednesday night, we're going to give you another sheet that will complement the personality part of this so you can understand it a little bit better. So... You'll do that for us. We want everybody to do it, whether you've done it in the past or not. We need to update all of our records. And uh, so if everyone would do it, 
we would appreciate it <clears throat> so very much. Christy, is there anything else I need to add to that? Okay. Um, so remember that uh, for the uh, personality and gifting. Now, does everybody have a student handout for tonight? If you don't have one, we'll be happy to get one to you. Does everyone have an ink pen? If you don't have an ink pen, we'll be happy to get one to you. So it looks like everybody's good. So thank you. That's not a common practice around here, but it just fit real good at the moment. So, all right. All right, grace step two, find freedom. I want to take a little while tonight or a few moments to go through our vision again. I went through it last Wednesday night and I'm going to do it again tonight. So grace, step two, is to find freedom. Our first one last Wednesday night was to know God. You can see this in the lobby when you walk in the door tonight is to find freedom. Our subtitle uh, for this is Your Journey is Our Passion. We're glad and thankful to have that you've chosen to become a part of Grace Church. This class is a basic introduction to our church community. Since we have members from many different church backgrounds, this class has been designed to clearly explain who we are and what we believe. We trust this journey will lead you to a place of hope, a place of healing, a place of restoration that you may not have experienced in your relationship with God before. Whatever the case, your journey is our passion. So the vision of Grace Church is tailored for those that attend to live out the redemptive calling that God has placed on their lives. These are four steps that we need to take in order to prepare for that redemptive calling. First, we must know God. We must know God, if you'll put that in the blank, and know him personally. Matthew 7, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall inherit the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father, Jesus said. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name we have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works, and I'll profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So we, it's imperative that we know God the way he wants us to know him. So as a result of being delivered from sin, we continue to build a personal relationship with God and develop intimate familiarity with God's voice that gives us a desire to do his will. Number two, we find freedom. Find freedom. James said, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. To do this, we must cleanse our heart from issues of the past, and we'll talk about that tonight. Number three, then we must discover purpose. This is a vision for Grace Church. We want you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Romans chapter 12, Paul said, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith we each have spiritual gifts and unique purposes given to us by god because we're a part of god's plan to reach the world one man said god has a plan it's huge and i'm in it and finally we must make a difference make a difference Peter said, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So in any church setting with, with people who are redeemed and so on, you always have folks at the various levels of this vision. There's folks here tonight that would like to know God better. There's others that would like to find freedom, 
to be free from the issues from their past. There's others that are still trying to discover their purpose. And then there's yet others who really want to make a difference in the community that you live in. So that's the point behind this vision is it fits every uh, strata of life, of spirituality that people may be living in. So if y'all, we'll skip down. In addition, at Grace Church, we value prayer. We all seek to know God, and the first way to pursue that is through prayer. We have weekly prayer on Sunday and Tuesday mornings. We have Sunday morning prayer at 8.30. We have Tuesday morning prayer at 9 o'clock in the A Center. We have pre-service prayer on Wednesday nights at 7. And we have monthly prayer on Tuesday nights. We also have prayer walks from time to time and designated prayer space in the Alexander Center to accommodate prayer time for anyone who wants to come pray on their own time. And uh, we have just promoted Pray First, and we're going to ask all of you to give that very serious thought and practice. So join us on this journey to know God, to find freedom, discover purpose, and to make a difference. The Bible introduces us first to our grace steps in Exodus chapter 6. The Bible said, Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out. That's them knowing God. When they got out of Egypt, they knew who God was. Everybody said amen. From under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage. This is finding freedom. I will redeem you, and this is discovering purpose. And in verse 7, he said, I will take you out to me for a people, and this is making a difference. So in this session tonight, in Grace Step 2, we will discuss four things that will enable you to find freedom at a different level than you may have experienced before. So let's begin tonight with Grace Step 2, Find Freedom. The Bible said, I will rid you out of their bondage. So let me begin tonight by saying there's four basic aspects to a person's life. There's four basic aspects to a person's life. Number one is the arena part of their life, arena. Basically, the arena aspect of our life is what I know about me and what you know about me. It's like you're in an arena and everybody can see you. The second part of it is mask, mask. It's what I know that you don't know about me. And everybody wears a mask in some facet of their life or another. Number three is the blind spot aspect of our life. It's what you know about me that I don't. And you say, well, how is that possible? I'll tell you how it's possible. Everybody in the church can know who the gossip is except the gossip themselves. Do I need to go on any further? I think we get the point. Number four is potential. The aspect of our lives that's called potential. It's what I don't know about myself and you don't either. And our purpose at Grace Church is to help everybody find and fulfill their potential. We really have a strong desire to make this happen. So if you're new to Grace Church and becoming a member, we ask that you do your best to trust the Grace Church environment. Our desire is to help you reconcile with your past and accept God's purpose for your future. So let's begin tonight by talking about the issues of yesterday. The issues of yesterday, point number one on your student handout. For most, life hasn't happened or hasn't always gone as planned. There are so many things that have happened to all of us that have caused hurt, disillusionment, and despair. We all have things in our past that have become a stumbling block and have hindered our growth and our development. 
I want to say tonight in passing that if anyone here tonight is having any difficulties with your past, we do offer additional classes uh, at your pace and at your availability that can help you with forgiveness, that can help you with reconciliation and restoration. We also recommend prayer, fasting, Bible study on the subject, even pastoral counseling, and even if it's necessary, professional help, and we can certainly uh, direct you in a path for that as well. There's four things among many that are a part of our issues of yesterday, beginning with point A tonight on your outline is forgiveness. It's if you're hurt. Sometimes it's hard to forgive when you're hurt. In Ecclesiastes chapter 8, the Bible said, All this have I seen, the wise man said, and applied my heart unto every work that is done under the sun. There is a time wherein one man ruleth over another to his own hurt. So all of us have had our share of hurt. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you or yours. I believe that is one of the most potent scriptures in the Bible. No one is justified nor entitled by carrying a grudge or toting a grudge towards someone else. If you can't forgive somebody, God can't forgive you. That's something to think about. Point B is bitterness, and that is if you hate. These are issues of yesterday. Forgiveness is if you're hurt. Bitterness is if you hate. Paul said in Ephesians 4, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Get rid of the hatred. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. This scripture doesn't apply to the people you like. Verse 32 is, yeah, we can, we can be kind one to another and tender-hearted and, and what have you, the people we like. What about the people you don't like? The scripture applies to everybody, and it behooves us as Christian people to embrace and apply and practice the word of God. Point C is pride. If you love yourself, I'm talking about issues from the past. Pride is if you love yourself. There's a difference between the kind of pride that God hates and the kind of pride we feel about a job well done. The wise man said in Proverbs chapter 8, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate, the Bible said. The kind of pride that stems from self-righteousness is sin. And God hates it because it's a hindrance to seeking him. In Psalm chapter 10, verse 4, the Bible said, The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. And this explains that the proud are so consumed with themselves that their thoughts are far from God. And this kind of haughty pride is the opposite of the spirit of humility that God seeks. And I want to say tonight very carefully that the Pentecost that I know, there's a whole lot of this kind of pride in it. It's almost people are too proud and too blessed to even need God in their lives anymore. The Bible said, blessed are the poor in spirit, or blessed are the humble, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Point D is esteem, if you hate yourself. And I suppose this is probably the thing that I work with people with the most, is esteem issues. Again, these things must be reconciled through prayer and fasting, even counseling with pastor or professional, before you can really proceed in becoming what God wants you to be. Anyone who is without Christ and without hope or who adopts the world's values 
may come to view life as futile or even worth living at all. The Bible said in Ecclesiastes 2, Therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Yea, I hated all of my labor which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. A secular worldview may result in self-hatred. Presumably, we who have obeyed the gospel and the love of God do not hate life. We are not without hope in this world. Even though we are sojourners and look for a better place, we hate evil, not ourselves, even though sometimes we produce evil and sin. Because Christ's righteousness is imputed to us by faith, we are righteous and should be glad. We should be glad because God has forgiven us and made us clean. We should glory before God and be jubilant with joy. The psalmist said, but let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Self-hatred, low self-esteem is a cry of a tormented soul. Not the new song of one whom God has saved with his strong arm and for whom he has done marvelous things. Yet sadly, even redeemed saints can feel depressed and bereft of joy. Why is this? Certainly a repenting saint should have a broken spirit and a contrite heart, but a saint should shun self-hatred as an inordinate earthly passion of the flesh. And everybody said amen. So to find freedom, let's continue. Point number two is becoming the you. Becoming the you. That's not the letter U, that's Y-O-U. Becoming the Y-O-U that God intended for you to be that's a huge goal here at grace church we want everybody to be what god wants you to be man we want you to be happy in your relationship with god fulfilled in it fulfilled in service in the kingdom we want you to be what god wanted you to be so to do that point number a is to accept who you are accept who you are i'd like for you to consider with me tonight that we're there's five things that can be said about this. Number one, we all possess spiritual gifts. That's biblical. We all have heart. We all have abilities. We all have personality and experiences. If you take the first letter of all four of five of those words, the things that make you you is called shape. Shape. Spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, experiences, shape. Accepting your shape. Accept your gifting, accept your heart, accept your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. I'll tell you tonight, I'll be honest, my hardest dilemma in all of this is accepting personality. I wish I had a little more charisma and could bounce off the wall and all that kind of stuff, but it just don't happen. I've tried, and that, that, that suit don't fit me too well. I am who I am, and I've accepted that. So accepting your shape, the unique way that God made you, that brings glory to him, means to believe that God knows best. And it all comes down to a matter of trust. Listen to pastor tonight. Do you believe that God made a mistake when he made you? Or do you trust him, knowing that the way he made you, the way he has made you, that he still has a plan for your life? Do you believe that? When you say things like, God, there are things I don't like about myself. I wish I had different hair or different color of skin. I wish I were taller, shorter, skinnier. <laughs> that skinnier resonated with uh, pretty much everybody, right? 
I've looked at, you know, the only people you see jogging around your neighborhood, they're about as big around as a clothesline pole. And you want to wonder why are they out there jogging? And then you have to assume if they weren't out there jogging, they'd look like me. So that explains it. It's like the skinny people are the ones that are out there doing all of that and they don't need to. And then the other people like me need to and don't. It's just one of those dilemmas of life. But anyway, people say, I wish I had more talent. I wish I could, do, I could do that, whatever that is, fill in the blank, whatever. I wish I looked like him. I wish I had her smarts, and on and on it goes. This kind of thinking is basically telling God, you blew it with me. Everybody else is okay, but you goofed up big when you made me. When you reject yourself, folks, you are in essence rejecting God because he's your creator. When you don't accept yourself, it's, it's rebellion against God. You're saying, God, I know better than you do. You should have made me different with a different set of strengths and a different set of weaknesses. But God says, no, I made you exactly to be you because I want you to be you with your strengths and your weaknesses. Both of them can give me glory, God says. If you'll just start doing what I made you to do, what I created you to do, what I equipped you to do, instead of trying to be like everybody else. Peer pressure for young people is one of the biggest tricks the devil plays on young people. We always want to be like them. And very few really want to be themselves. One of the greatest lessons you can learn, young people, listen to pastors, to get as comfortable in your skin as soon as possible and tell everybody if you don't like it to go take a hike. I'm just saying. It's actually quite arrogant to reject yourself. Paul said to the church at Rome, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that replies against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? So whenever we doubt God's love and wisdom, we, all, we always get into trouble. The root behind all of your problems is that you don't trust God. You don't trust God and how he made you. You don't believe God really loves you. You don't believe that he really has your best interest at heart. You wish he had made you something different. And as a result, there's a spirit of bitterness in you that keeps you frustrated and keeps you from being all the man or woman that God meant for you to be. The psalmist said, you guided my conception and formed me in the womb. God wanted you when he made you. And he loves you, believe it, and then trust it. Amen. Point B, accepting the fact that Jesus loves you. Accept that. Be amazed at the folks that attend church on a regular basis that don't really believe God loves them as much as he does someone else. It's amazing. Your confidence in your relationship with God is top priority. It is imperative that you trust the fact that you're a child of God and he loves you with an undying love and is faithful and just to forgive you when you ask him. Point C is accepting his empowerment. It's the beauty of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you're struggling with who you are, a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost can change your perspective, your point of view about life and who you are. The uh, writer of Acts said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Point number D is to learn how, and I, this is the greatest standard of Christianity, holiness 
is not a standard for Christianity. Holiness is a life we live unto the Lord. Your standard of Christianity is a fruit of the Spirit. I don't care how holy you look. If you have hatred in your heart, you're not holy. If you're bitter, you're not holy. Everybody get that point? The fruit of the Spirit is your standard, your gauge for our spirituality. We need to learn how to apply the fruit of the Spirit when time, opportunities, and situations test us. The Bible said the fruit of the Spirit is love. It begins right there. If you can't love people, if you can't love God, and if you can't love yourself, you're going to have a very hard time pursuing any degree of spirituality. The second is joy. The second, the third is peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, the Bible said. Notice that the first three parts of the fruit of the Spirit has to do with our relationship with God. That's something we reciprocate from God. And then we reciprocate it to others. The second three has to do with our relationship with others. The third three has to do with our relationship with ourselves. And if you can't embrace the fruit of the Spirit, you'll always struggle in your relationship with God. Point number three is facing tomorrow. When you have issues of the past, sometimes it's hard to face tomorrow. You can face tomorrow with point A is a clear conscience towards God. And again, that's something else we strive for. The Bible, the Bible said that he has not given us a spirit of fear. There's therefore now no condemnation, the Bible said. So you can have a clear conscience towards God to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. To give the reason for the hope that you have. But to do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their own slander. It is better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. The psalmist, or excuse me, the book of Acts said, And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Look at yourself in the mirror when you get home tonight and see if you can say that honestly. That I have a clear conscience towards God and towards men and it's void of offense. So facing tomorrow, we can face tomorrow with a clear conscience towards God. Point B is family. And that's where I want to talk about attitude just for a moment. It's important to have a great attitude in family. A bad attitude in family, a bad apple upset, up, just ruins the whole thing, don't it? You, you can have four or five kids sitting around the dinner table and one of them misbehave and ruin the whole dinner. It's amazing how that works. It's imperative that we do our best to maintain attitude. And that's constant praying, true repentance, create within me a clean heart. Once somebody said, hope is important because it can make the present moment less difficult to bear. If we believe that tomorrow will be better, we can bear a hardship today. Oftentimes, it's family that brings us to these situations the most. Point number C is church. So where we should have good attitude and family for church, we should have a, a, a desire to serve. That's being available. This is to make yourself available for service as the needs of the church dictate. Point D is community, and that's to share our relationship with God. It's acts of Christian service, and we do a lot of that here at Grace Church. We were rehearsing that uh, with someone actually this morning. 
Grace Church believes in being involved in the community. And as time goes on, we'll talk more about that later. Finding freedom. Getting rid of the issues of yesterday. Being able to live in the present with a clear conscience towards God. And then facing the future with confidence. It's our desire for people who attend Grace Church. And I mean that with all of my heart. So point four. Just do it. Becoming a member. Becoming a member. There's a lot of reasons that you should be a member of a church. Somewhere to belong. Somewhere you can identify with. I won't go down the generic stream with that. I have my own presentation. The first thing I'd like for you to consider in becoming a a member is character. We should be built on godly character. We should be honest as church members. We should be loyal, fair, loving, caring, kind, forbearing. We refrain from gossip at Grace Church, tail-bearing, slander, and careful in how we interact with all, on all social media. <laughs> you know, when you're talking out loud, I like to say just, you know, sometimes it's good to keep your dumb mouth shut. Y'all have heard me say that a lot. I don't know what to say about social media. Just put your hands in your pocket. Get somebody to handcuff your hands behind your back. I'll do it. I'll take care of it right there. We have a couple of sheriff deputies here tonight that can help you out with that. Folks, we have to be Christian people at all time and manifest Christian character, not just when you're at church and feel like it. Point B is morality. As a church member, we ask you to have character. Point B, we ask you to be moral. Listen very carefully. This is actually the crux of this whole membership class experience. The Scriptures prescribe and promise God's blessing on a, long, a lifelong heterosexual union and marriage and chastity in all other circumstances. We believe the Bible teaches that adultery, fornication, pornography, what have you, are a sin. The Bible, based, the Bible, based on my study and interpretation, is consistent throughout in forbidding the practice of these things. And in addition, the following lifestyle... Uh, homosexual, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, cross-dressing, cohabitation, that's living together without being married, polygamy, and so on. All of these things, I believe the Bible teaches against it. At Grace Church, we believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. And as our bylaws state, membership is not available to those who believe otherwise. However, they are still welcome to attend. Still welcome to attend. I do want to say here in passing that uh, if you want to be married to someone, you both have to be a member of Grace Church or the person you want to marry has to be in good standing with a church of the same beliefs and what have you. And it's because we don't want to open the door to other folks coming and saying we want to use your building to get married in and we want you to marry us. You have to be a member of Grace Church for us to marry you and for you to use our campus for your wedding. If you want more information about that, see me after the class. The Bible says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators. This is prostitution. And Strong's Concordance even included male prostitution. Nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. This is talking about sodomy or sodomites nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you, 
but you're washed and sanctified. You're justified in the name of Jesus and by the Spirit of our God, and I thank God for that. I thank God for that. Thank the Lord. Paul wrote to Timothy, said, Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for the sinner and for the unholy and the profane and the murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for, for manslayers. These are people who own other people as slaves. Uh, for whoremongers, uh, for them that defile themselves with mankind. It's the same word that I just referred to in our other scripture reading. This is talking about sodomy or sodomites. Uh, for men stealers, for liars, for uh, perjured persons. Um, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine according to the glorious gospel of our, the blessed God, which is committed to my trust. You can also see Romans chapter 1 for more on that. So Grace Church is built upon character, morality. Point number C is holiness. We'll get into this more later. In 1 Peter chapter 1, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And Grace Church does believe in holiness. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, we believe in holiness the way most of you would interpret, may I say, mainstream UPC holiness. I'll teach on it more later, but just those of you that may ask that question. I know there's a lot of people who say we believe in holiness, and you look around and say where. But I hope you can see at Grace Church. Paul said, or the writer of Hebrews said, rather follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. And finally tonight in conclusion, point number D, to be a part of Grace Church, we ask you giving of yourself. We go on point D. And there's four ways that you can give of yourself not to just Grace Church, but to the kingdom. Number one is to give of your time. Give of your time. People that say, I'm too busy, then you're too busy. You need to rearrange your priorities. Ephesians chapter 5, Seeing then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time for the days are evil. The second way you can give of yourself is to give of your talents. The Bible said, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. So everyone has something you can give. And then the third point is to give of your treasure. Jesus said, lay not up for yourself treasure, uh, but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven, whether, where um, neither moth nor rust nor doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And of course, Malachi chapter 3, will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? If you say, wherein have you, we robbed thee? And God says, in tithes and offerings. Uh, I do want to say that a lot of our working young people choose not to tithe. You are stealing from God and do not expect God to bless any facet of your life as a result of it. Tithing is not just for, and anyone else here tonight that don't tithe, don't ask God to bless any aspect of your life. Don't expect it. If he does, it's usually because of someone else that's living with you or that's a part of your family and you're just under that umbrella blessing. You're robbing God when you don't pay tithes. And even if you miss a week, you've stolen a week. Um, it's a part of our relationship with God. And you don't pay tithes to be blessed, but as a byproduct of doing it, you will be blessed. But it's not just limited to finances. God blesses your marriage, your health, every aspect of your life. Tithing opens up a huge conduit of blessing into your life more than just finances. If you're not doing it, 
there's a price you'll pay and uh, is what it is. And then finally tonight in conclusion, uh, you can give by giving the right attitude. I want to say tonight that nobody likes hanging out with people with a bad attitude. You folks that have young teenagers at home, when they cop that little attitude, it kind of you never cease loving them, but you sure go through spurts where you don't really like them that much. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You'll tell your son or daughter, I sure do love you, but I sure don't like you right now. Get out of my face and go to your room and do something else and take that face with you while you're at it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, the same is true with church people. If you walk around with a chip on your shoulder and you've been out of shape over something, People will try to help you for a while, and then after a while when they realize you don't want to be helped, they'll move on to somebody else, and then you'll whine that everybody hates me and all that kind of stuff. And bottom line, it's you. Go look in the mirror. Nobody here hates anybody unless you provoke somebody to just, you're really annoying. And uh, so just, you want to have the right attitude. Create within me a clean heart and renew within me a right spirit. And if you've been forgiven of sin, it's okay to act like it be real happy about it the bible said for this i say he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully every man according as he purposes in his heart so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity for god loves a cheerful giver that means good attitude good spirit and what have you so uh i'm doing good man i I finished 11 minutes early. You owe me. That's right. We might have to make that up next Wednesday night, right? So, uh, but anyway, I'm done. Uh, don't forget your, to get your testing uh, for gifts and personality. Uh, don't forget.